Sometimes the light is perfect, the moment is right, and you get the shot. But when you get home, you find out that your photo is blurry. Now, why in the world does that happen? That's what we'll talk about today on EOS Photographer Podcast. Hi there, Canon friends. Welcome to the EOS Photographer Podcast. If you are learning photography using your Canon gear, you're in the right place. Here, we speak with great photographers and extract practical lessons for you. From Rebels to 5Ds, the gear you own is the gear we'll feature. Now, here's your host, Linford Morton. Hi there, and welcome to the EOS Photographer Podcast, Episode 105. You know, EOS Photographer is the show where Canon shooters learn how to master your gear and your craft. My name is Linford Morton, but you can call me Lynn, and I am so glad to be talking with you today. Now, in this episode, we talk about autofocus and how you can make sure your images are sharp. Today's Canon cameras are packed with advanced technology to help photographers always get sharp images with any DSLR in the lineup. Yet every day, many of us are frustrated by the results we see when we load our images onto the big screen. Today, we'll discuss why that happens and what we can do to fix it. On a photo walk this weekend, I heard what's probably the most common complaint from photographers. Why aren't my photos sharp? I was working with a young lady in Central Park in New York City, and she was complaining that her photos were always blurry. So we looked at her images, we looked at her technique, and quickly narrowed it down to a few things. Now, you'd be surprised that with all the things that could go wrong to give you blurry pictures, it usually comes down to one of three potential issues. It's usually an autofocus settings issue, a focusing issue, or some other technical or performance issue. Now, I'll explain what each of those is and how they're different. An autofocus settings issue on your camera, a focusing issue, decisions by you, the photographer, or some other technical or performance issue, which is a combination of both. In the autofocus settings issue, your subject isn't in focus because you're, you aren't using the autofocus settings properly. Now, most often, this just means your autofocus is missing your subject. Your camera isn't focused properly because you chose the wrong settings. Believe it or not, your camera doesn't know what you've chosen as your subject. The camera can make an educated guess based on common scenarios or fancy algorithms, but only you really know what your subject is supposed to be. If you understand that premise, it makes sense that there are times when your camera might choose to focus on the wrong element, leaving your true subject out of focus. Here are some questions to help you diagnose that situation. Are you using your automatic selection autofocus? The camera will determine what it should use as your focal point, and all of the autofocus points will be in play. 
A zone autofocus option will give you a zone with a smaller cluster of autofocus points where the camera still selects. It will choose what looks most prominent in the frame and focus there. Now, if you decide your focal point is not really one of the obvious elements in the frame, your camera will focus on the wrong thing and your subject will look blurry. For instance, let's say you're shooting through a fence at a subject beyond it. The camera in that instance might lock onto the fence and not know that you're trying to shoot something beyond the fence. If you're shooting through any any object where the object in the foreground is meant to be, let's say, a framing element and your subject is in the rear, your auto selection autofocus or even a zone autofocus might miss your subject. In those cases, you might want to use a manual selection one-point autofocus. Now, this manual selection one-point autofocus lets you tell the camera exactly which focal point to use. Then you can make sure the autofocus point is in the right place. So how do you do that? Well, you press that autofocus area selection button. Now, it looks like a box with a cross of dots inside the box. When you hit press, press that button, it will activate all of the autofocus points and you can scroll through them to choose the one you want to use. Choose the correct autofocus point selection and put that red dot where exactly where you want to focus. And when you do that and you depress the shutter lightly, a focus indicator light will let you know that your subject is in focus. That's usually on the bottom right of your viewfinder. You'll see a, a blinking green light that goes solid when it locks on. And in some cases, if, you're, if you've got your beeps turned on, you will hear beep, just also confirming that your subject is, is in focus. When that happens and it's on the thing that you want to use as your subject, then your subject should be in focus. What happens is often if we miss it, meaning the autofocus point is on something else other than where we intended it to be because we just aren't paying attention or you don't see that autofocus selection light, that auto, that green autofocus point selection green light go on and go solid, then you might be missing your subject and that's when your photo might be blurry. Now, those autofocus points are, of course, going to be very important for you as you are looking through your viewfinder and trying to decide what you what what you want in focus and moving those autofocus points to cover it. Now, depending on the level of camera, you, you will have a different number of autofocus points. The older Rebel models, the ones before 2015, only have nine autofocus points. But as they have progressed, some of the more recent one, T6i, will have 19 autofocus points. And it goes all the way up to your 5D model, which, which will have 61, and the 7D Mark II will have 65 autofocus points. I'll have a, 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 call, a listing on the show notes with all of the current models and the numbers of autofocus points just for your reference. But the point is, the, the the more sophisticated the camera, the more autofocus points you have, which then allows you to be even more precise on where you want to lock in your focus. So those are your autofocus selection options. Now you also have what's called an autofocus operation. Now this is where you see three options in your camera, one shot, AI servo, and AI focus. Now, 
to decide which of these three you want to use, there's a simple decision tree. You ask the question, is my subject moving? Now, if the answer is no, you probably want to go with one shot. Now, one shot is made for subjects that, that are at a standstill. It measures the difference between you and your subject, locks it in, and while you depress the shutter slightly, as long as nothing else moves, as long as you have that shutter slightly depressed, it will lock in and hold that focus. This is great for a subject that's not moving. You're doing a portrait, you're doing... um uh, as a still, you know, still like, like macro or something like that. These are great options because once you lock it in, then perfect. You will get a, a subject in focus. Now, if your subject is moving and you're in one shot, when you depress the shutter, it locks in where it is and it's locked in for that distance. So if your subject starts moving, the subject is your camera is still focused for that one point, And so they will move out of focus and you'll have a blurry picture. So that's another way your picture might be blurry or not sharp. The second option, if my subject is moving, that remember that's the question we use for the decision tree, is my subject moving? If the answer is yes, you will choose AI Servo because that's the option that's, that is designed for a moving subject. Now in AI Servo mode, the camera is continuously focusing on a subject in motion. So let's say you are taking a photograph of someone who's riding a bicycle toward you. In AI servo mode, as the subject is moving, you are holding the shutter down halfway. And when you're ready to take the photograph, you continue pressing the shutter all the way through. And then it takes the photograph, calibrating for the moving subject and making sure that it's sharply in focus. So the AI servo is a great option for a subject that's moving. But if you're in AI servo, the minute that autofocus uh, selection point moves off of your subject, it starts, it measures whatever it, whatever it's on at that point. So it might now be measuring something behind your subject. So you might see sometimes you take a photograph and you look at your image and you go, oh, it's out of focus. My subject is out of focus. Sometimes what I do is I look around behind the subject to see if what's behind the subject is in focus because sometimes that can tell you, oh, I just missed my my subject with my autofocus point. So just be, when your subject is not in focus, one of the things you can do to diagnose is to look at everything right behind it or around it to see if anything there is sharply in focus and that will tell you that you made a mistake there. So subject is in motion, you use the AI servo selection so that the camera can continue focusing on your subject as it's moving. There's a third option, AI focus, and that is the least useful of the three. Quite honestly, I never use it and I don't suggest or recommend that anyone does. But just so you know, it's like automatic. It's like an auto setting. It it chooses, and it's. I, I like to think of it as a hybrid between the the one shot and the AI servo, meaning it locks in at a subject usually when it's at a standstill. But if that subject starts moving, then it should release and start to follow it. So someone that you're taking a picture of someone who is standing still and you lock in focus on them and then they start moving toward you, it releases and follows. Uh, it, at some point, 
you know the camera's choosing for you whether it thinks you should be in one shot or AI servo mode. It's completely automatic and that's the least useful. Use your decision tree. If your subject is moving, go with AI servo. And if it's not moving, go with one shot and you should be fine. In your more sophisticated DSLRs, meaning not the entry level, but the more advanced DSLRs, like say the Canon 7D Mark II, the 5D Mark IV, and on up, you will see something called autofocus cases. Now, this is something that you use in AI servo mode, and it it tracks three adjustable parameters. It tracks tracking sensitivity, meaning how quickly the camera will focus on a new subject, meaning you it will lock on a subject that's moving. And let's say someone is running with a football, and if someone runs in front of them, you know, do you want the camera to stay on the same subject or or move to the next subject that, that enters the frame? Do you want it to tightly stay locked onto the subject that's moving, or do you want it to be um, flexible enough to move on to the next subject that might enter the frame. So that's the tracking sensitivity. It's either locked on, staying in focus on the moving subject, or it's responsive, meaning it will acquire a new subject that enters the frame. The second parameter is acceleration or deceleration tracking. Now, this accounts for subjects that are either moving at a constant or an erratic pace. Constant fluid motion going side to side or erratic going back and forth. Depending on which one is most important to you, you can make that adjustment. And then the third is an autofocus point auto switching, right? So that determines how fast the autofocus points will switch from one point to another when it's tracking a moving subject. You want it to actually hand off from point to point quickly as a subject moves throughout the frame. You will make that adjustment. And, and with these autofocus cases, you have a number of presets. Now I'm going to post a really cool video that talks about each of the presets and how and when you would use them. It's done by, by the Canon support, um, support group. And it's, it's a really, good one and it's got lots of visuals, I think that would be helpful for you. So if you want to learn more about cases, go to the show notes for episode 105 and you'll see a video there that can be helpful for you. So all of those fall under what I call your autofocus settings issue. Now, number two was a focusing issue. So this is what I would call more of a user error. These are things that you also might check that are not necessarily tied to settings. One is, did you use manual focus by mistake? On some lenses, you have a button that you can toggle between AF and M, AF for autofocus, of course, and M for manual focus. And I've been known from time to time to bump that um, button so that my camera goes into manual focus when I didn't intend for it to. And when you do that, of course, that can cause a a subject to be out of focus. Um, the other reason it might be, you might just be too close to your subject. So that happens often too. You're going too close and the, and the camera just won't focus. It just, you're depressing the shutter and just hunts and it won't focus. And that's usually because you're just too close. Now, for your lens, you might check for your minimum focusing distance. That's usually 
listed in your manual somewhere. Find out what your manual, your minimum focusing distance is and uh, make sure that you're not inside of that because the camera just won't focus there. You're just too near and it prevents the camera from focusing properly. And then it's a simple, simple solution. Just back up a little bit, back away, and then you might be able to try again and get the camera to lock in. And then it might be that you don't, you don't have enough contrast for your camera to lock onto it. Like if you try and focus on a solid sheet of white or any you know, single color, the autofocus system will struggle. And so you're looking for so with this differences in adjacent pixels or something is different so that you can point your autofocus point on that and then lock it in. And then the other focusing issue you might run into is if you have an extremely shallow depth of field. What you might have is a depth of field that is so shallow, it's hard to tell that any part of your subject is really in focus or what part is in focus. Because there are times uh, you'll shoot wide open and if you aren't completely accurate, you'll look and go, ah, nothing is in focus. When it is, the you can have the tip of the nose in focus and the eyelash isn't. You just, you know, it's a combination of you missing your subject and having a really shallow depth of field. So the other thing to think about is if you are shooting at a wide open, at a very, very um, shallow depth of field, you might uh, try adjusting that also and just making sure that the autofocus point is exactly exactly where you need it to be. So those are some of the focusing issues you might run into. Now, I forgot to tell you about another um, AI servo option, which is called back button focus. Now, a lot of photographers like to use this option because what it does is when you depress your shutter, usually it, it, the way it defaults, it both locks in focus and it allows you to take the picture. Back button focus decouples those two feet, those two actions, meaning taking the photograph and focusing, and allows you to put focusing on one of the buttons in the rear of your DCLR, which back button focus refers to. So what this means is when you depress that back buttons on your DSLR, as long as you're holding that button down, your camera reacts as if it's in AI servo mode. So now you're using two buttons to do the focusing and shooting combination. So what does that mean? You are tracking someone who's moving, you're depressing the back button and you're allowing it to focus while they're moving. And while you're holding it down, you depress the shutter. Or you can use it for what might be a typical one-shot kind of an action and lock in focus on a subject that's not moving and then you release it and you know that it's now locked in and you can depress the shutter and take the photograph. So the back button focus will function as an AI servo feature. You know, this is a, a, a preference that a lot of photographers have and uh and and then you find a lot who don't use it so it's one of those things that you'd want to try and see if if you like it or see if it's useful for you for people who shoot things like birding bird photography or or sports you find them using back button focus probably more than people who are shooting landscapes or something at a standstill. But again, this, these, these, these are just generalizations. You'll have to try it to see which works for you. So number three is some other technical or performance issue. All right. The third reason 
your subjects might be out of focus is some other technical or performance issue. And what do I mean by that? Usually the more common one is camera shake. And so when you depress the shutter and it's slow enough, that little disruption will make the entire image look blurry. And so how do you fix that? You always want to make sure that the shutter speed is fast enough so that any depressing, when you depress the shutter, it doesn't affect the image. And one way, a rule of thumb to make sure you're doing that is to keep the shutter speed what's called one over the focal length. And what that means is if you are taking a picture, your shutter speed needs to be the equivalent of the focal length of your lens or the focal length of the lens you're shooting with. What does that mean? If you're shooting, if you're zoomed into 100 millimeter or you're shooting with the 100 millimeter, your shutter speed ought to be one over one hundredth of a second or faster to avoid camera shake. If you are shooting with a 200 millimeter uh, lens, you're shooting at a 200 millimeter focal length, then your shutter speed ought to be at one over two hundredth of a second or faster to avoid camera shake. And the same for one over fiftieth of a second for 50 millimeter and so on and so forth. That rule of thumb will help keep you safe in most cases so that you don't have to worry about camera shake on your image. Now, many of the Canon lenses have what's called an image stabilizer, and that will help to correct for camera shake. So if you have that, you can turn that button on. And so even though my rule of thumb is at 200 millimeters, you should be at one over 200th of a second. You can probably shoot slower than that. You can probably get one, two, three stops depending on the lens, meaning you can cut that number in half or cut that number in half and use that shutter speed as your guide. Now, I would suggest you only do this if you absolutely have to. Just to be safe, keep that shutter speed, if you can, at one over the focal length to avoid camera shake. And then and then when you have to shoot below that number, you're going to want to use a tripod, a tripod and a cable release or remote control so that you're not touching the camera when you take the photograph. Or if you don't have a cable release or remote, then you can use the self timer on your camera. It, there's usually a two second or a 10 second self timer option. Uh, under the drive mode, and you just choose one of those so that when you depress the shutter, the camera waits two seconds and then takes the image. So two seconds is usually, you know, enough, I think, in most cases, unless, let's say, you extend the center column, like, way too high, and then you know that's going to shake, continue shaking when you depress the shutter for more than two seconds. Then in a situation like that, I would go to 10 seconds. But in most cases, if you have a stable tripod, two seconds should be good enough. And then you depress the shutter, you wait, it waits two seconds, it takes the image, and you don't have to worry about camera shake there. Now, you can go through all of these, and sometimes it's not your fault, it's the camera's fault. And and that's very rare. I'll, you know, I'll say nine times out of ten, if you're getting a blurry picture, it's in one of these three things that we've talked about so far. So you have to go back and try and diagnose it. Now, yes, it could be the camera. And one way to check is to 
take a tripod and uh, put your camera onto the tripod. Choose a large number for your f-stop, f11, f16, something that gives you a long, a long depth of field. And then use a fast shutter speed. So you want to do this when there's plenty of light around, obviously. A fast shutter speed, a long, a large number f-stop, and then you'll take the photograph using your cable release or the self-timer. So what you're doing here is, is removing all, all options where there might be some sort of human error possible and then take the image and see if that's sharp. Now, if, if you do all that and the image is blurry in some way, then you probably have something you'll want to get checked out. But, but in most cases, you want to make sure that you have, you are going through and checking all the things we talked about today to see if your photograph is in focus. Now, I hope that was helpful for you. So one, autofocus settings. And then two, if there's a focusing issue, that's something that you might have done wrong as the photographer. Or three, some other performance issue that is, is like camera shake that's more, again, uh, user error, user generated. Check all those things the next time you have a photograph that is not sharply in focus, and it's likely to be one of those things. All right, thanks again for sharing another episode of the EOS Photographer Podcast with me. I hope you enjoyed that and it was helpful for you. Now, I I know that this might even be more helpful for you if we could do this in a visual format. So I'm thinking of doing a free webinar where we go through a lot of these topics and I show examples, visual examples of each. And if that's helpful for you, I'll have a sign-up form on the show notes for this episode. And you can um, just you know drop your name and email if this is something that would be um, helpful for you. And when I create it, I'll let you know. So if you want to see a free webinar version of this episode, let me know and I'll create one for you if you think that will be helpful. Well, thanks again for sticking around for another EOS Photographer podcast. Remember, if you are, if this is something that's helpful for you, let me know. Um, you know, drop me a, a line at lynn at eosphotographer.com. Let me know what you're working on and where your challenges might be and what kinds of topics might be helpful for you. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. Now, you can go to eosphotographer.com forward slash subscribe, and you'll see all the options there. All right? So that's it for this week. Let's go out and create something amazing. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care.